In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I really want to lose three pounds. Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. Diet starts tomorrow. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. I want to quit the gym. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. With hosts Aileen Cooperman... Joey does a shampoo! ...and Sammy Fishbein. Whatever, I'm getting cheese fries. Hello, and welcome back to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Sammy. I'm Aileen. And today we are joined by a very special guest. Her name is Jessica Jones. She is a registered dietitian and host of the Food Heaven podcast with her co-host and fellow registered dietitian, Wendy Lopez. She's also a certified diabetes educator educator with a master's of, nu- of science in nutrition, as well as a Zumba instructor. So you keep busy. Welcome, Jess. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So welcome to our podcast. Um, we're excited to have you. And why don't we just jump right in? Can you share your background? How did you and your partner, Wendy, start your podcast? Like what inspired you? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for having me again. I'm super excited to be here. Love your guys' podcast. All your episodes are very creative. And I work with clients on intuitive eating. And so the topics that you have are things that come up in session all the time. So love it. And in terms of how we kind of got started, so My first background was in journalism, and I decided that I wanted to go back to school to become a registered dietitian, which took forever. And while I was getting my master's in nutrition, I ended up working at farmer's markets in underserved, kind of marginalized communities in uh, Brooklyn, Harlem, and the Bronx, because I used to live in New York. And Wendy, we were friends kind of before, and then she ended up getting a job with me, and we did these different nutrition education workshops and cooking demos in these communities. And we found that we had like really good chemistry and we liked working together. And we also were loving the feedback that we were getting from the community because we would use local ingredients that were actually available and accessible, like whether it be um, stuff that they could find in the bodega or uh, produce that was locally grown. And they were able to make um, really delicious recipes. So that was exciting for us. And I did that, I think, for like three years. And then once it ended, me and Wendy decided, hey, we should continue the conversation and put all of this like maybe online or do something else. So we ended up doing actually a show on Brooklyn Public Access Television um, that was, I think we called it like the Healthy Kitchen Chronicles, Food Heaven Made Easy with Wendy and Jess, really long name. (laughs) Catchy. Uh, We weren't thinking about like, yeah, we weren't thinking about it all at the time, like how that would work for an LLC (laughs) title. But um, (laughs) we we ended up doing that in, in uh, transferred onto like YouTube and doing that for a couple of years. And then I decided I wanted to move back to California where I'm from. And that's where the podcast started in 2015 because we just couldn't shoot videos together anymore. So 
basically, yeah, we've been doing it for a while. We love it. I actually prefer the podcast over um, doing videos because it's more in depth. You also can just kind of show up. You don't have to like get we cute, put makeup on. <laughs> like I'm in sweats right now. So it's just much better. It's much more intimate too, I think. So in the process of, I guess, like transforming to the podcast for our listeners who, who might not be listeners, but could be future listeners, what do you focus on on the Food Heaven podcast? That's a great question as well. Um, so we focus on the intersections and we kind of are always playing around with uh, what our like tagline is. Not that we have an official tagline, um, but now, so our tagline now is inclusive and accessible wellness. Um, but we're thinking like we may have to flesh that out further because that's kind of, um, I, don't, I could see that as being a little vague. So like in fleshing it out further, we we found that we really like to focus on the intersections of like health, wellness, race, culture, um, intuitive eating and body image. And so we find that, you know, we have guests from all different backgrounds, um, a, a wide diversity of guests, and they're all coming on to talk about different topics. So whether it is, um, you know, financial freedom or food freedom, like there's such a range, even, um, We've even had somebody come on and talk about astronomy. So we we just honestly have uh, people come on to talk about topics that we find interesting and just run with it. That's awesome. So you're not like particularly stuck on food. No, because I think we would get a little bit bored just talking about food. Um, and so for us, I think it's also to kind of like, yeah, like I said, what makes what makes it interesting to us as well. And then I think that if we find it interesting, then typically our listeners find it interesting also. But we, I think the majority of it is talking about food and intuitive eating and like, like I said, food freedom and body image, stuff like that. Kind of similar to Diet Starts Tomorrow. Yeah, that definitely, make, definitely makes sense. I also think that some of the topics that you are, you know, that you address are very clearly, even if they're not necessarily like, directly food related, like the culture and, and, you know, fat phobia and those things, although that is obviously very food related. Um, I think that it sort of, you know, we eat all the time every day. So it's sort of like gets taken as a given rather than examined, like why we eat what we eat or the way we eat. And it's really just an interesting, right. You know, area to explore. I'm wondering just in the past year, it really feels like anti-diet culture has taken off so much more than it ever has in the past, especially with like these social justice movements that has definitely had an impact on the wellness industry for the better, in my opinion. So I'm wondering if you could speak to like what this past year has been like for you um, as sort of like these really important social conversations have come up and how it changed the podcast even. Yeah, I think the interesting thing, so I've obviously, like so many of us, I've had a lot of mixed emotions over the last year. It's just been a lot. And when it comes to like all the social justice stuff that happened in around June, we uh, we actually put a podcast episode out that was, it was our most popular episode and it was titled Why We're Over It. And um and also like the subtitle, How to Support Black Businesses On and Offline. And I think for us, I mean, we didn't, we always, I mean, I think being black dietitians, like there's always that intersection of like social justice, like from day one, that was nothing new. Um, but we definitely started leaning into that more on our podcast, I think within the last 
I don't know, like three or four years. And so I think part of us felt like a little bit, um, like I said, hurt maybe because I there was there have been so many people out there kind of like doing this work and having these conversations. And so to have it be something where it's like all of a sudden everyone's, uh, I mean, it, it's good to have everyone paying attention, but just like everyone demanding like right now, like we had so many requests, <laughs> you know, like come on our podcast tomorrow and and it's just like, what we have a lot, we're human beings, we have lives. We've always been talking about this. This will always be relevant. You know what I mean? It's not like because it's newsworthy now that that means that uh, we drop everything. No. So I think that's uh, was part of it. And then it, it, we had mixed emotions because we definitely got some new followers <laughs> during that time, whether it's like podcasts or social media, which we're super grateful for. And it's exciting to have new followers. Um, but then it, my other, again, the part of the, the part of me that felt hurt was like, but where has everybody been? And why haven't people realized that it's important to like follow diverse accounts? Like it just, I don't know. I had like a lot of mixed feelings about it. And so we talked about all of those uh, feelings on our podcast. And then in terms of how it, how things change, I honestly don't think anything that we, <laughs> we have been talking about has change because it's been there like i said for the past it i mean from day one but like more explicitly in the past like few years so we're just kind of continuing on the conversations that we had we had been having could you share like some of the conversations just to like because if, if people of this podcast haven't listened just just to just to, because of like the whole anti-diet yes. movement like that feels like we know that it's been going on for a very long time but all of a sudden now everybody's on top of it and how it intersects with race. And like you said, it's like just it's trendy now, but people have been having this conversation forever, like you're saying. So can you um, just share more about your thoughts and what you talked about in your podcast? Yes. So some of the, and I'm actually pulling up the podcast right now. So I can like, like get a fresher course uh, of your own thoughts. Right. Get a fret. Yeah. I'm just like, what have we been talking about? Um, so one of the things that we, had been talking about was so be, this was before all of this happened um we had an episode called fat phobia and racial exclusion and dietetics um that was one and oh, the racial origins of fat phobia which was another that we did before all of this happened um another was reclaiming land as a black farmer racial bias in healthcare. um so many <laughs> different episodes on these different topics and i think the the thing about our podcast is that we really do want it to be like an inclusive place that's not shameful where people come and uh, they feel like it you know they can't ask a question or uh they're going to get shamed for not knowing whatever like i think the thing that we hope to make it is a place where like you can come and of course like we're not going to tolerate people um you know blatantly um being fat phobic or you know doing harm but we definitely want people to feel like this can be a place for, for you to come and learn about some of these different topics, because we also understand that we didn't we weren't born, you know, understanding the racial origins of fat phobia either. <laughs> and uh, it's important for us to, you know, in some ways extend compassion to ourselves and also to like our listeners and other healthcare providers. But, yeah, it was just crazy because in this all kind of really was uh triggering for us because we so when everything happened in june i think for black people we have been used to 
dealing with all of this stuff. Like we've been, obviously we're black, so we're kind of hyper aware of like all the injustice that's going on. And so for me, sometimes I have to like disconnect um, from whether it's social or just like the conversation because it can just be too re-traumatizing, right? So we were just kind of, our self-care was continuing to post like food stuff while things had just started to, you know, blow up on social media. And so a white woman um, commented like, you need to stop um, posting of food, whatever, like the whole country is burning up. Like you need to be posting about that. And we were just like, wait, hold up. What? <laughs> like have several seats. Okay. Because again, we, <laughs> this is something that's always been a part of what we talk about. And, uh, for someone to not understand like the different layers of being a black person and, and we have the right to, um, again, to try to take care of ourselves in whatever way that that looks like and not just being performative, like, okay, we're posting because this is trending. That was an issue for us. And that's why I think we felt so hurt. Yeah, I, I know I've seen a lot um, from black creators about like the importance of like black rest and that that is also a form of resistance. Right. So I'm, you know, I think that is like a really important that you that you handle that way. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com slash DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. So just speaking to like my own intuitive eating journey, I've sort of, I've alluded to this in the past, but I had tried intuitive eating, you know, a few years ago, but I think what like really made it click for me was this, this, that was realizing that it wasn't just about like me gaining weight or losing weight or like fitting into a certain size. What that the way the reason I felt that way was because of these bigger fo- this these bigger forces of fat phobia that are rooted in the patriarchy and rooted in racism, and that really like was what created a value shift that enabled me to actually embrace anti diet culture in a way that wasn't like, and obviously it's a, a road, it's a struggle, but it really I think like shifted it for me and made it like 
something that con that, that contradicts my values rather than something that's just like causing me pain. So I wonder just like from from your experience being a black dietitian and seeing this before it was quote unquote trendy, what is your experience with your with your clients and you know how they sort of process those bigger forces and how it pertains to their health? Yeah. It's so layered and it's so complex. And I think what happens with a lot of folks is they they understand there's like a cognitive dissonance where it's like they understand or I mean, I think with working together, sometimes people come in already knowing this. Sometimes people don't. And they're just like, I don't feel good about my body. I don't know why I'm not linking it to these other external forces. Um, and so we kind of work on them being able to, to link that and kind of some education there. But I think even with that information, there's still different parts of people, right? So there's like a part of them that feels like they totally get it. And they're like, F the patriarchy. And, uh, you know, a lot of my folks I work with are very social justice oriented. And so they get that, but they still have their own lived experience in their current body. And if you live in a world that says being in a larger body is inherently wrong and negative, and even it's it's a harmful place um, to a lot of folks in many ways. And they're also getting these messages from their healthcare providers and just everybody on, not everybody, but most people on Instagram and TV. I mean, even just like looking at the reality shows, like me and my husband were watching, I don't know what show, maybe it was like Love is Blind. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, they don't there's no diversity in like shapes and size like none on anything i was thinking about that watching the bachelor yes the bachelor even the bachelor like they have diversity now they have now a, a deaf a contestant oh, yeah, I saw that. but she is this thin yeah so like there's really there's no there's no diversity in, in body size at all it's because just, they, they just won't go there I, <laughs> like I don't get it. And I so mean, it took them 20 years to have a black bachelor. I know. Like they're not I having know. a fat bachelor for like another 20. Right. And yeah. it's just like, a contestant. <laughs> at least. But what are they going to do? Wait, but imagine, imagine their campaign. We have a fat contestant. Like no. imagine them bragging about their fat contestant. Like they I thought Bridgerton, like, did it, did you guys watch that? Yeah. Oh, yes, I did. I thought they did an amazing job in like approaching diversity from all types of angles and yeah. it wasn't even talked about but yeah but bachelor absolutely not <laughs> they're it's never just, gonna they're never but it's 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 so many different platforms so if you're someone who is in a larger body and you don't see any representation of yourself like that could be traumatizing and so i think totally. for folks it's really is uh what you were saying sammy about like just figuring out what your values are and how do you um, take actionable steps towards aligning with that, basically? And it, and I also tell people it's not linear because the other problem is people put a lot of pressure on themselves to feel like they, because they get, they get like you know, the, like I said, f the patriarchy, and I like I once they hear about the racial origins of fat phobia and all that, then they're like, oh my god. But still. <laughs> um, it can be challenging for them and my clients all the time sometimes they'll send me um, messages like they were triggered in some way or they went to the doctor's office and the doctor was like well you need to lose weight and then we're doing all this work together and so i think for folks it, it's yeah it, it's not linear and just understanding that you're going to be triggered um 
and how do we work on creating as safe of an environment for you as possible? And of course, again, you can't eliminate all triggers. And then how do we work on uh, your responses to them, I think is a lot of the work. And and also, again, compassion that you're not going to overnight feel like you love your body and that you're not, you know, wanting to still pursue weight loss. Like that's not really how it works. Right. Can I ask you a question just about like, just based on what Sammy said about what inspired her to be, um, to delve into intuitive eating? What inspired you like to approach this type of wellness? Did you go to get your master's knowing this is what you wanted or did you come out of it knowing this is what you wanted? I always wanted to work with people from diverse backgrounds and I always have. So that was always there. The type of work that I did has shifted because like you guys mentioned at the top of the show, I'm a certified diabetes educator and uh, so many black and brown folks are affected with diabetes or prediabetes. So I was really passionate about that, especially initially. But as I started um, learning more about intuitive eating and the social justice components of it and kind of body image at first to be honest well I didn't learn about the social justice piece of it like initially initially it was just like the food and like rejecting diet culture and all that and initially I remember one of my colleagues had given me the intuitive eating book and I don't even know I, I don't remember if I even like fully read it maybe I skimmed it and she was like she sent me the biggest loser study and I was so uh, resistant because I was like, no, this doesn't make sense. Like what I'm taught is that weight loss equals health. And, right. um, you know, <laughs> like I, we, I wasn't helping people like go on a diet per se. It was more like a lifestyle change. And and I was resistant because that was the way that as dietitians, especially when I was in school, which was over 10 years ago, like we're indoctrinated to have like a weight quote, weight normative belief that we everyone needs to be in the normal weight range. So I also understand when people are resistant because that's how I was at first. And I really didn't kind of fully step into that uh, paradigm until I was listening to a podcast um, with Christy Harrison. Have you guys heard, yeah. heard of Food Psych, right? Food yeah, Psych. She's great. Yes. I was listening to, maybe it was, maybe I also took her course. I don't remember where I heard it, but she was just saying how ethically she couldn't recommend weight loss. And I was like, that's a really strong statement. Why not? Like, why, why is this like an ethical concern for you? So I remember that resonating. And then I ended up taking Evelyn Tribolet's course, maybe like four years in 2016, I think. Um, taking her course for healthcare providers on into like incorporating intuitive eating into your practice. And then it all just, I was like, okay, I get it. I, I can't ethically recommend weight loss either. Now I fully kind of understand. She did a really great job of explaining it. Like it was like the study after study and, you know, cause I, dietitians are really data uh, driven. And so I I couldn't go back from there. And then I remember having a conversation with Wendy, like I took this course and I just explained it to her. Like Wendy is, by the way, my business partner and co-host. I explained it to her. I feel like it was just like once. And she was like, okay, let's go through the site. Let's take all this like dieting. Like not that, again, it wasn't like dieting, but like weight loss where we had like a weight loss starter kit. And she's like, let's take it down. Let's audit the site. Um, Let's do it. And then she started reading herself. And then we were just from that day forward, I mean, we continue to, you know, learn more and, and realize like, 
even stuff at that time maybe that were like, this is fine, is pro- potentially harmful and then kind of uh, adjusting. But yeah, from that day forward, it was like completely different for us. So what is the ethical argument against recommending weight loss? The ethical argument against recommending weight loss is that it there's there's a couple, but one of them is that it's an intervention that hasn't been proven to be effective for the majority of people. Um, so in some of the research, up to 98% of people who go on a diet regain the weight back. And the thing is, like, for a lot of folks, it's like easy to lose weight. Even my clients will say, like, they've lost weight in the past, they've done all the diets. But the issue is, they always regain it, right? And so, yeah, for, <laughs> that is the I issue. Think it's, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I think it's um, two. I, and the thing is, that's also interesting is people will lose weight initially, and that's why it's it's always interesting where there's these accounts like on Instagram, like people on these different diets, like I'm doing this diet, I lost this weight, like follow me. But most of those people, they have recently lost that weight. So the weight regain for majority of people, it may not be immediately, it may be like two to five years. Um, But your body kind of always goes back to its set point range that it feels like is a comfortable place for you. Um, So that's one of the arguments that it's not like, I think I've heard the analogy, like if you were going to a heart surgeon and he was saying, well, my surgery is... 2% effective, is that something that we would want or get behind? It's the same thing with weight loss. Like we're acting like we have more control over our body than we actually do. And also just like the research that most of um, what makes up our weight and our metabolism is genetic. And so that's something that we can't modify. Right. And I think that's a piece of it too. And then the other piece is that if we're really trying to be a non-fat phobic fat phobic society and not harmful to fat people and also inclusive then why would the ideal be thinness right like going back to um the racist roots of fat phobia as well like why can't we all be able to exist in a body that our uh body has said is it has said it feels natural, well, not said, but you go to say our body has determined it feels naturally comfortable at like, why would we have to change that? Because that kind of goes against like, body acceptance. So there's a few different arguments, right? This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20. 
and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Something that's really helped me with body acceptance and like really like solidifying my beliefs about this is seeing um, larger bodies or people in the body that they are naturally supposed to be in seeing those as kind of being glorified rather than seeing like runway skeleton models being glorified and I know that you and Wendy yes. have done a lot of work on like how to center larger bodies so I guess like could you tell the audience like how they can kind of like actively work towards that how to basically show on a bigger scale that larger bodies are acceptable that they are they're just as deserving as being on a billboard selling a product as a really stick thin body like that that kind of thing like how can individuals yeah. work towards that i actually wrote well it wasn't exactly on this but a little bit kind of aligned with this um an article for healthyish about um just like what the wellness industry can do to be more inclusive and it included like centering larger bodies. So just something simple in terms of um, like media outlets. I love Self Magazine because I feel like they're one of the only publications that gets it. And one thing that they do is because we had the editor in chief on our podcast and we kind of just picked her brain like how did you create this platform that is more inclusive? And so she was just saying simple things like uh, with fitness videos, like typically it is a thin um, person, typically white woman who's doing these fitness videos or uh, or uh, fitness photos on Instagram. And so what they did was they had a casting shoot and they asked folks who consider themselves fitness enthusiasts, but were in larger uh, bodies or different bodies, right? Like more marginalized bodies. They asked them to um, to try out to be photographed in these different fitness videos and photos. And I, that is one thing that it's like, it was so powerful. And I think they continued doing it. And that's why you'll see like on a lot of their um, Instagram photos and fitness uh, workouts, like it's so diverse. And so for me, like when I see people who look like me or like, again, people in larger bodies, like that makes me more motivated because I'm like, okay, the goal isn't thinness. The goal is just taking care of yourself and just representation really matters. So I think that's, that's one thing. And just on a personal level, I feel that it's important to diversify like your feed, who you're following um, on Instagram. I, one of my clients, she had just sent me a message saying, because initially she was just listening to our podcast and kind of doing the work with me one-on-one. -on -one, and she kind of explored a little bit more and found like, oh, wow, there's so much more like so many more people out there so many more podcasts and she like sent me a list of like these are the people who are who i'm now kind of like following or, and are helping me feel less alone on this journey um and and also helping me uh see that like there's other folks who look like me who have the same concerns um as i do or who are having the same challenges as i'm having and that's just really comforting so i think just like whether it's podcasts whether it's instagram just kind of uh diversifying your feed and and for you know even podcast hosts like having folks who identify as being in larger bodies on your podcast to share more about what their lived experience is because a lot of times especially with intuitive eating like the 
majority of the folks, at least that I see currently, I know it's expanding, but the majority of the folks who are kind of talking about it, and at least dietitians are thin white women. And so I yeah. think we need to do a better job of like centering um, the dietitians and other folks in larger bodies who are talking about this and have the lived experience as right. well. That's, a, that's the original thing that turned me off in the very beginning when Sammy and I both wanted to do it, but we were like, this is bullshit. It's so easy for like a super thin person to gain 10 pounds or yes. 20 pounds. Like you're still, you're still accepted. Yeah. <laughs> well, it felt like, exactly. it felt like the people who were doing it were the people who had problems with like over restriction rather than overeating, which yes. was our issue. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like it, I think that like for that, for those people, obviously like no matter how thin they were, it was probably never enough. But for society, it would still yeah. be enough if they were a little heavier. Whereas for like us, yes. we were kind of fighting to get to that societally appropriate weight, which makes it, I mean, societally appropriate. I put that like in heavy quotes. But so let's say, okay, let's say like someone is a thin white woman who, you know, is that kind of person. How can they make their platforms more inclusive and kind of like, I don't know, make that that go away, that feeling that like it's only works for yeah. them because of who they are. Is that doable? Like we're yes. like, yeah. Well, so we actually had a podcast episode <laughs> um, and we interviewed um, a woman named Mikey Mercedes who had this incredible viral article. I don't know if you guys saw it on Medium that was called um, – when oh, what was it called? I I can't. I think it was like the unbearable whiteness and maybe thinness and fat phobia of anti diet dietitians. So we had we had her on our podcast. It was called when anti dietitians become problematic, and she is a um, Afro Latina woman in a larger body, and she was able to give advice. Uh, for folks who were who had that same exact question. And so I think one of the things was just, you know, whether it's bringing people on your platform who identify with like that marginalized identity or those marginalized identities, I think that's definitely one thing and just hearing like what they have to say. Um, I think another thing is just being mindful of is and especially like, again, thin folks being mindful of like what you're posting in terms of like your body and what you're saying about it because so one example she gave was when you see and this isn't just white folks like I've seen this with other folks as well but it's it's mostly what I have seen online is white folks like kind of um a thin person like sitting down and like bending over and kind of creating like I'm using quotes like <laughs> roles and saying look at me like I'm accepting my body and so sh her argument was which I agree with like you're so you're just because you can quote like accept your body at what you think is your worst um that doesn't mean that someone who is in an actual larger body who is marginalized like these are not the same things right. <laughs> she's right. just like this like don't like stop um like you have to sit down to create your roles that's the problem you right like <laughs> it's like you need to position yourself to be look heavier right. i'm trying to position myself to make myself look smaller it's pretty yeah yeah and i mean that's what she's kind of saying is like these are not one in the same, you know, like uh, just being kind of mindful of 
you and the folks like in their thin bodies and like, you know, preaching to everybody else. Like she was saying, like a lot of these dietitians, <laughs> they come across like they're going to save you from the from yourself. Right. Like preaching to everybody else about what you should be doing and how they accept it. But the stories don't it doesn't match up because you're not in a body where there's actual harm potentially being done to you, um, weight stigma that also has negative health effects, like just so much. I think, yeah, just being mindful of like what you're posting and how you're, you know, kind of positioning, positioning yourself and your body within like the whole quote, like body positive space and, uh, and, and having other folks on your platform as well. So a lot of dietitians and especially like, you know, dietitians who are thin, in the anti-diet space, like what I've noticed when it seems like they are being mindful about that, they don't really post that many pictures of their body to begin with because they know for some people it can potentially be seen as triggering. So, I mean, we post pictures of our bodies. um, uh, I mean, not like in a bathing suit or something like, look at me or, you know, whatever. But but we don't really speak on like, I, you know, if I can accept myself, you can too, because I can't say, I mean, everyone has a different lived experience and like I'm in what's considered more of a thinner body. So it's like, I have no right to say anything to anybody. Yeah. I feel to me, the, the, the people that make a difference on Instagram, like for me personally are, uh, like fashion influencers that are plus size mm. or makeup types of beauty yeah. influencers that are, have larger bodies because they sort of, because I mean, Sammy and I talk about like clothing and style for, it, it, it's like a, it's a way to kind of talk about, uh, Clothes. Whether your body is acceptable, <laughs> well, exactly. Whether your body is acceptable, and they, but they don't really, they don't really like kind of talk too much about the fact that like, oh, look what I could make today. This is just sort of them, and this is the way that they are. And yeah. and I'm like, I could, I could be happy like you if you can be happy. Look, I found right. this like really great outfit. I don't need to be stick thin like you see on the website. You can be like yourself and still be really happy in this awesome outfit. To me, that that's more powerful yeah. and makes more of an impact. I agree. Wait, we also don't need to see like people who are not marginalized trying to like be more marginalized, like make themselves oh appear God. more marginalized. Right. I think what we need, what's missing is the glorification of people who were previously marginalized. And, right. and that's what, that's what I see. Mm. I think what you're saying about like the style is like, they can look beautiful. They can take beautiful photos. They, and they should be on, you know, like advertisements and websites. And I think a lot of people are moving more towards that, but it, you know, there's much more work to be done as well. For sure. So I had a question just kind of to talk about like, because cooking is a big thing that you guys do, especially on your Instagram. I noticed. Yeah, we Um, do. So if somebody comes to you for, weight loss do you do you use your kind of expertise of of cooking and 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 because your last episode was about how to get people excited about cooking do you use that to recenter their intentions or do you like how do you go about um helping people on their journey of of health because you are a dietitian um with cooking as a tool yes well in terms of people coming to me for weight loss so we I have discovery calls with everybody that I um, work with and that's where I kind of get to know a little bit more about them and tell them more about my style. So if someone is coming to me and they're like, I definitely, I want to lose weight and that's my only goal. And I need, if I don't lose weight, I'm going to be really upset. 
and I kind of tell them a little bit more about my approach. And if they're still very much like centered on weight loss, I will be honest with them and say, you probably won't have, we, we probably aren't a good fit, right? Because it's like, I focus more on like overall well-being and um, in behaviors and, and weight loss isn't a behavior. Like that could maybe be an outcome, but I can't promise that because some people gain weight because a lot of my clients are restricting, right? And so like you once you start not restricting, like it's very possible that you'll gain weight. Some people stay the same. Some people lose weight, but I can't predict it. And so there's an element of... Um, of unknown that people need to kind of be able to embrace and not say that we we would take weight loss off the table like we can still talk about weight loss and talk about why they want to lose weight and dig deeper but it wouldn't be like a type of dietitian where it's like okay here's your meal plan okay so here's the scale so let me sink it to my whatever and every week what's going on like oh you went up a pound let's cut no like <laughs> it's not that in terms of well-being absolutely i do incorporate food and I'm a foodie and I love eating. <laughs> and so, uh, and I like working with people who also love food and love to eat. And, um, and I typically, it depends on what someone is kind of coming in for. Like some people are coming in more because they're having trouble with their relationship with food. And that's something we may focus on first. Cause I even have clients where, you know, maybe they're a chef or, um, they they cook a lot and that's not really an issue. But if someone is uh, somewhat struggling with their relationship with food and also wanting help with like their health in general, we would start off with a little bit more kind of intuitive eating framework. And then once they're able to look at foods in a little in more of a neutral way and also be a little bit more aware of how they're feeling when they have certain foods, um, then we might move on to focusing more on nutrition and kind of gentle nutrition. And that's where I really try to keep it very simple because again, I don't want people feeling like they have to come in and count macros. Like that is not the case. Like I do education on the importance of the different macros and what, what those are and kind of that we want to try to get them at every meal. But in a way that's like not triggering to them. Cause some clients may, you know, like you have to be very careful with the information you're giving it and the way you're delivering it, because then they can take that and, and, uh, and overanalyze it and feel like, Oh my God, well, it's not perfect. And so I think just like with incorporating cooking, it's also really focused on like satisfaction and flexibility and, and starting slow and small. So if you're someone who, one of the main things I see with folks is like they're not eating consistently. They're not nourishing themselves adequately. So maybe we start with just like breakfast and, you know, what's a reasonable time for you to um, eat breakfast in the morning? Because if they're waking up at eight and they're having breakfast or their first meal at one, like that's probably not ideal. Um, and so sometimes it's like those very simple things that we start with that really make big changes versus like this complicated, <laughs> you know, uh, macronutrient yeah. chart or whatever. Right. I mean, as it as it relates to like food relationships and cooking, like me personally, I, you know, when I was on a diet, you know, my whole life, my my relationship with cooking was always like use the least amount of anything you can and make the most bland meal and convince yeah. yourself it's good. <laughs> and then that's why, like, I would have like really long hiatuses with not cooking because I'd be like so grossed out by it. And I would order like all this food that was the opposite of that. And so like for I'm still really working on this is like trying to figure out how to cook in a way that is more fulfilling from both making something that tastes good, but also like I still have a fear of like 
adding too much butter or like too many weird ingredients or like making something too fattening. I'd almost mm. rather order yeah. it. I it's hear that for sure. Thing. It's like uh, I have like yeah. I have like a guilt. <laughs> you know, it's um, so funny that like for, for me, what I think really helped me was actually purposely making things fattening yeah. and purposely making them like delicious and indulgent and preparing meals for myself that I was making that were like restaurant quality. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, like, I feel like sometimes when I make things like it's better than getting takeout because oh, when yeah. it's takeout, it's like cold. If you're willing to like dive into like use the butter, use the flour, like like just don't be afraid of following the recipe, no matter how fattening or or like extravagant the ingredients like that actually makes you're like sometimes I'm like amazed that I made this. I'm like, how did I make something so good? And it's because I wasn't afraid of like using oil. Like, right. And it really like I feel like if you just like break that seal and do it once, you're going to be like amazed how delicious what you made is. And you're going to be like, this is so fun. Yeah. Right. I hear that all like people are very freaked out, especially in the beginning when I say like I, I try to approach it as like, what can you add? What can we add to this plate to make it more satisfying? Like we have to reframe the thinking of like, what can I take away? Because when we add and I tell I recommend that people have fat with every meal because it's going to make the meal more satisfying. You're going to be more satiated. And that means that you're probably going to do less like mindless kind of like um, or distracted snacking or continuing like searching for something to eat after the fact because you were actually just satisfied from what you had. So I also explain to folks that when we include fat with our meal and especially if we're having vegetables, because I do have people who come in and they're, they'll just eat like steamed vegetables. I say, we really want to include the fat because that helps us absorb the fat soluble vitamins, right? So it's, oh. it's more healthy to include the fat with that meal. And I think for a lot of people, they need to start slow, like I said, in small. So maybe it's just like, one meal, maybe they add like a teaspoon of oil that they wouldn't have otherwise added. And then sometimes I'll have people kind of, uh, I have like a whole activity where they test how long the fullness lasts them for, for a meal. And whenever people are, at, are having a meal that has more fat, that has all the different food groups there, that has that fun factor too, right? That's that extra satisfaction factor. The fullness like is going to last them longer. And so they'll circle like, okay, I had this and like it, I was hungry again in like three hours or I had this and I was hungry. I had like an apple for a snack, apple and celery. I was hungry in 30 minutes, you know? And uh, so we may compare like similar right. things like an apple with with two scoops of peanut butter and an apple and celery and just see the difference. And I think for a lot of people, I can't really, and a dietitian shouldn't be the one like telling you like what you need to do or what works for you. It's more setting up different scenarios and activities for you to explore what makes sense for you because everybody is really different. Right. right. And also I think like when people are dieting, we tend towards like yeah. a lack of variety, as little variety as possible so that you can like just keep mm-hmm. it discipline. so simple. <laughs> yeah. Discipline, keep it simple. And I think that like once your world opens up that like you don't need to have grilled chicken and salmon and you can actually be satisfied with what you're eating and then therefore not yes. binge because you're like so upset like <laughs> what yep. you didn't get to eat. I feel like it literally opens up a new world for me. Like I get to enjoy food yeah. now. And it's life changing. Yeah, it's a crazy. It's really, <laughs> it yeah, is. Yeah, it definitely. is. Well, we're all yep. a work in progress. And um, thank you so much, Jess, for joining us today. This has been an awesome episode. Um, where can people listen to your podcast, follow Food Heaven? 
give us you all personally. Yeah. So we are most active on Instagram at Food Heaven. And we also have our podcasts, which is the Food Heaven podcast, pretty basic. And then if someone is wanting to work with a dietitian for uh, one-on-one nutrition counseling, you can hit me up at jessicajonesnutrition.com. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> straightforward. Isn't there? Isn't there a character? Isn't there a character, Jessica? Yes, Jones? there is. That's there's okay. a whole um like I, superhero yeah, on yeah. Netflix. No. I, so I get that now. Like, uh, well, not every day now because I don't leave the house, <laughs> but um, with COVID. <laughs> but when I used to leave the house, I would get that like almost every day. People were like, "Oh my God, Jessica Jones, superhero!" What? And I'm like, <laughs> "It is a great name. A great name. You have a great yeah, name." I, when I was little, I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, my name is so boring. Why do my parents name me Jessica Jones?" No, it's ball. Okay. It's yeah, a cool now name. I'm kind of like, people think it's cool because of superheroes. So I'm like, okay, I'm embracing it. And I actually think I had it first because they're like, your name is after this. Right. And I'm like, I actually know that. <laughs> you were definitely born before the show. Came <laughs> I don't know out. if it's like a, how old the comic is or if it is a, I don't know. But yeah, I think the comic Jessica Jones. Yeah, but I know. You didn't know. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much. And everyone, as usual, you can follow us, us at, at Dice Are Tomorrow, at Sammy, at Aileen, rate, review, subscribe. Um, tell a friend about this podcast you know it's amazing because you listened all the way to the end (laughs) and um, we're always with you through thick and thin Betches